If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 16. That's where we're going to be today. And as you're turning uh, this morning, uh, I just kind of want to give us a little bit of a refresher, kind of catch us up as to where we've been these past three weeks. This uh, marks our first month in the summer in the Psalms, our series. We, uh, you know, I kind of summarized this series uh, at the very beginning by saying that the Psalms are, are unique in that they teach us to pray by bringing every thought and every emotion in the human experience into the context of God's story. Uh, through the Psalms, our hearts, whether they're broken or bursting, become aligned with God's heart. The Psalms help lead our thinking and our feelings Godward. Uh, that wherever we are in our lives, no matter what has befallen us, whether we're in moments of pleasure or moments of pain, the words that come from God become stepping stones in us growing closer to God. And in week one, we talked about being planted or being rooted in God's word. He talked about the blessedness that came from finding our delight in the law or in the instruction and the word of God. Week two, we spent in chapter two of the book of Psalms, and that was the word that we focused on was the word reign in that God's reign and his authority over that. And that same blessedness that he talked about in chapter one of finding delight and happiness in his word and his law, we see that we find that in chapter two in recognizing his reign and his rule over our lives. And then last week, we fast-forwarded just a few chapters, and we went to Psalm chapter 8, and we saw where David was talking about this name above all names, and how he was the King of kings, the Lord of lords, that there was no name in heaven or on earth or below the earth that was above the name of Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we're going to be in Psalm chapter 16, we need to keep in mind that you know, the book of Psalms, all 150 chapters, there's different types of Psalms. There's, there's songs, there's poetry, there's prayers, there's lament, there's rejoicing. And in Psalm 16, this is another Psalm of David. And this is a declarative Psalm, or basically it's, it's something to encourage us, something to strengthen us, to give us power, to give us hope. And these are words that are spoken over our lives, maybe when, when we're in a rut to, to get us unstuck or when we're in a situation that we feel hopeless that give us hope. And, you know, there's, there's people in my life that, that just every time you talk to them, they just kind of make you smile. They just kind of encourage you and you walk away, whether they meant to or not, they've encouraged you. They've, they've kind of strengthened you and, and given you a little bit of hope. And there's multiple sources that we can find these in our lives. We can find them by talking to different people. We can find them, we can draw that from a song that we listen to, something that we read. But we need to, to make sure that we're always keeping in focus and keeping in our understanding that God's word is that soul source in our life that every time we look to it we can find this encouragement and this this thing if we're stuck that gets us unstuck so let's read psalm chapter 16 and we're going to start in verse 1 preserve me O god for in you i put my trust O my soul you have said to the lord you are my lord my goodness is nothing apart from you as for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hastened after another God. 
Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance in my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's pray this morning. God, as we come to you right now, we are uh, never let us lose the level of appreciation that is that is good to be in your word, to be able to open up your word, to learn from your scripture. Father, I pray that for everyone that's listening to this this morning, whether they be here in person, whether they're at home watching, or whether this is later on down the road listening to this sermon on our podcast, God, that you would open our hearts, open our ears, open our minds and spirits to receive what your word has to say to us this morning. God, I also pray for me during this time that you would use me as an instrument, as a voice, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and that I would, I would divide the word rightly this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And when we started this series a couple, couple weeks ago, I, I told you that one of the things that really draws me to the Psalms is that I had someone tell me very early on in my Christian walk that if, if I was going through something, if I was finding myself in a difficult situation, in a trial, in a hardship, that they said to find your voice in the Psalms. And that took me a little while to figure out what that was, but basically what that means is if you're going through something, one of my first pieces of advice to anyone is to go to the book of Psalms and just start at chapter 1 and just read as many times, as often as you can, until you find your voice. Sometimes it's taken me two to three times reading through the entirety of the book, and then I'll come across one of these things that just gives voice. I just find what I'm going through. I find what my heart's crying out for. I find it right there in the book of Psalms, and then I can draw encouragement from it, and I can draw this hope and this peace and Psalm 16 has served as that many times in my life, and I'm, I'm sure that it will serve many more times in the remainder of my life as I go through this. But this psalm is one of confidence. And David begins in this, what we find is that David talks about who God is. He gives us some, some characteristics. He describes him and just what we can arrive at in our walk with God as we read through this. And, and really what we've been doing is, I've told you about the one words that we've taken so far, the, the planted, the rain, and the above. And even though that most psalms are really, really short in nature, you know, 10, 11, 12 verses, this is the longest one that we've read so far, and it's 11 verses. But there are so many multiple themes that we can find even in the smallest of writings in these chapters in the book of Psalms. But there's one that I kind of want us to focus on this morning 
And that's the very first word that David uses in verse 1, and that's preserve. And I love how he starts this out because here we've talked about this being a, a, a one of confidence, one of that's going to pick you up out of the rut, the one that's going to remind you and bring hope and encouragement into your life. And David's opening statement in this is, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that first line, if I didn't know and had read ahead this passage, I don't know if I would understand that this really is a source of encouragement, that this is a declaration in his writings, because this kind of seems like a cry for help at the very beginning of this. To me, it's like, preserve me, O God, for in you I take my refuge. But if I think about it, and I'll speak for me, and it's probably true for most of you, how, how do most of your prayers start out with God? Especially those, you know, those unscheduled prayer times, because if you're like me, you know, we've got the mandatory, you wake up, you pray, before you go to bed, you pray. But it's kind of in those moments of prayer times when we find ourselves crying out to God. Very few times have I not entered into one of those prayer times with something like this, going, help! God, I don't know what to do. God, you've got to help me. At least that's true for me, anyhow. But then in verse 2, because it could be easy, we could think that maybe this is going down the lament path. Maybe this is going to be a psalm of desperation. But then in verse 2, David kind of pivots, and he makes a transition here. And he says, Oh, my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord, and I, uh, my goodness, is nothing apart from you. And just as we've kind of talked about a couple of times, there's going to be several things that seem familiar throughout this study in the book of Psalms. But this in chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 8 that we've looked at, we've seen wording that's been very similar to this. So David makes this statement and I, there's a couple words here. It's the same word in two different instances that I want us to really concentrate on and I want us to look at a little bit deeper. It says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. And we'll stop right there. He talks about the Lord. And if you'll notice the first time he mentions the Lord in your Bible, it's probably in all caps. Is that right? In, in, in the scripture that you're looking at there, the, the first time he says, I say to the Lord, it's in all capital letters. Well, there's meaning behind that. There's a reason behind that. Anytime that you see the word Lord in Scripture in all capital letters, the translation of that is Yahweh. And that's used in the Bible uh, roughly, I think, 6,800 times. I didn't go through and count them all individually this week. I'll make a confession. Uh, I just took somebody's word as I was studying a concordance of this and a you know, commentary. So if I'm off by one or two, forgive me okay but this means Yahweh who basically means that the word is God eternally existing he is the God of I am as he told Moses in Exodus 3 this is not the God recognizing a God who was or a God who will be but this is a present tense God that I am and I am the creator I am the sustainer. I am God. And then David says later in this verse, he says that you are my Lord. 
And this one just has one capital letter, that's the capital letter L, and then the rest of it is lowercase. Well, this, whenever you see this in Scripture, this is translated to the word, from the word Adonai. And it's used a lot less in Scripture, roughly around 300 times. But basically, what Adonai means is sovereign or master. This is a title that's given to denote power or authority or a position of influence. So basically, David is making this statement here, and he's acknowledging God in his life in a couple different ways. He's not only saying that you are Yahweh, you are the creator, that you are the I am, you are the one that I worship because you have created all of this, but he's saying you are my Adonai also, which means I am giving you rule and reign over my life. I am uh, I am giving my allegiance to you as my king. Now, this is going to be really important for us to understand this morning as we continue to go through this chapter of the book of Psalms because this is a foundational piece. We're not going to really be able to appreciate or understand the depths of David's future statements without understanding that David is laying a groundwork here of saying that you are my not only do I worship you as creator but I also worship you as king and authority over my life and one of the reasons that I believe that that's really important for us is because I think that sometimes we struggle with Jesus as our Savior and then the concept of Jesus as our Savior and Lord because so often there are people who want the Savior part of Jesus, but they don't do well with the Lordship of him. Jesus is more than just a get-out-of-hell-free card. He's more than just forgiveness of sin, of redemption of your soul. Jesus doesn't come just to give you that. He comes to not only save and redeem you, but he comes to be King of kings and Lord of lords and reign supreme in your life with him on the throne. And David takes this, and as he moves into this next section of Scripture, he talks about that and how important it is because he gives us two different types of people. As we begin to look in verse 3, it says, As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. And, and then verse 4 says, Their sorrows shall be multiplied who hasten after another god. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take their names on my lips. Now this is important because, again, he breaks it down into two types of people. And we've seen this in Psalm chapter 1, and we saw it in Psalm chapter 2. And the theme of the entire Bible is, is there is no option C. It's the righteous and the wicked. And that's the two that's broken down here in this passage of Scripture. David says that these saints in the land, he's describing these people who are serving God out of, out of him being Yahweh and Adonai in their life. He's not only, they're not only worshiping him as creator. They're not only worshiping him as a great spirit in the sky from which created all things but has no role in our lives. But they're saying that you're not only creator, but you're also my king. You're also my ruler. You're also the one who I place myself under authority of. And guys, I think that there is a big lesson for us to learn here because this type of people, these saints, the people who are serving him as Savior and as Lord, that's the kind of people I want in my life. 
That's the kind of people that I want to be around. That's the kind of church that I want to be a part of, that we're not just coming in here on a Sunday morning and just saying, we're here because it's Sunday and we need to either be in church or we need to be watching at the house or because preacher's going to ask us this week if we watch service if we weren't here. We need to be people who are set apart, people who are on fire for God, people who are serving him, not only as a wonderful blessing, a a gracious, good God, but one who is also king and Lord over our lives. Because I think that the church, I believe Christianity as a whole becomes far more appealing when people are serving God out of both the creator, out of both the savior, and the Lord part because we're making a realization that our lives are not our own that they belong to him because we've seen it already in Psalms and we all know it in our lives that there's a reality that every time that we get ourselves involved every time that we start trying to fix things we mess them up Maybe I should say I. I mean, because I'm over here looking at Billy Murray, and I don't know if the man's ever messed up anything in his life, ever. You know, Linda, you want to speak to that? This, no, okay, all right. <laughs> but we have this tendency to mess these things up. But God, he is the one that's sovereign. He is the one that's Lord. He is the one that works all things together for good for those who love him and who are called by his purpose. So there's no, there's no third option here. There's no gray area. There's no, Scripture gives us no indication that there's any, any way that we can be a nominal Christian, which means a Christian in name only. Jesus says that you're either going to follow me and leave everything behind or you're not following me. And I think that most of us, myself included, teeter on dangerous ground with our lives at times trying to follow Jesus but do what we want we want the Savior part we want the Creator part but that Lord and that Adonai part that's the ones that we seem to struggle with and I I just I think one of the scariest verses of Scripture in the Bible to me is, is found right here as we look at verse 4 when he talks about that those who hasten after other gods that their sorrows or their miseries will be multiplied that their drink offerings of blood I will not offer nor I will I take them my name their names upon my lips he's saying that those who follow other gods that their misery their suffering is only going to multiply and I did a, a little bit of a word search to see if that would that multiply could have been translated increase and it really I mean it would be an increasing but there this word is a substantial increase a substantial multiplication of sorrows that will be increasing and to me that's that's a scary passage of scripture especially when framing it with this work of there's no third option here there's no just like barely made that one you know got in there on that it's either you're following Jesus with your whole life or you're not following him and that that that's scary to me and then we go into verses 5 through 7 and we we see where David begins to start talking about God in in some metaphors in some different ways he says Lord you are the portion of my inheritance he compares God to an inheritance then he says and you are my cup 
He's talking about God, this metaphor of him being a cup. And then he says that you maintain my lot. And here's kind of where I want to zero in for just a little bit. And I want to see if, if I were to paraphrase what, what David's saying here. And I think what we need to take out of this, this message and this passage this morning about God being a preserver of things is that God is not just a God of promises. God is not just a God of fulfilling the promises. But he's also a God of protecting the promise and protecting his people and preserving them in the midst of the promise. The nation of Israel is a good example for that. Once they got into the land that God had promised for them, God didn't just step back and say, oh, okay, you're on your own now. I fulfilled the promise. Now it's yours to figure out. No, God filled the promise in their life. Then he continued to provide for them while they were in the midst of the promise, and he preserved them as they were facing enemies and trials and circumstances as they walked through the promise. The challenge that we have, I'm convinced, is that sometimes we feel like whenever the promise finally happens that everything should just be calm seas at that point. That there should no longer be any resistance, there should no longer be any strife or trials or tribulations of any sort. But what we see in this passage is he's saying that, God, you're my portion, you're my inheritance. You're the one that gives me the inheritance. You're the cup. You're the holder of this promise, which means that you're providing for me in the midst of it. And then you are my maintainer or you are my preserver, which means that you fulfill the promise, you provide for me during the promise, and you preserve me throughout the rest of the time. And I don't know if that does anything for you guys, but that encourages me this morning to know that God is not just a God who will leave us up to chance. God is not just a God who's going to say, I'm going to give you this and then good luck, fend for yourself. But God is God, he is a God that's invested in our lives. He is one who not only makes a promise, but he provides in the promise and he preserves us in the midst of that promise. And I think that we see this a couple times in the New Testament also in in Paul's letters. First is in Philippians chapter 1 where he says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. He also writes in 1 Thessalonians, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Multiple generations, different testaments, different eras, different times, same God, same confidences, same results same message that we need to grab a hold of this morning that he is not only the one who is faithful and he is not only the one who promises but he's the fulfiller of those promises and then in the midst of the promise he is our provision in those times and not only is he our provision but he is also the one that preserves us through the times and, and I, I, I'm just going to ask this question. You can just nod your head along if you want to. People, everybody at home, you can just kind of nod your head along also. But have you ever felt like you've actually started walking? You know, there's been a promise of God that's been fulfilled in your life, and you actually feel like you're starting to walk through it, but then 
Maybe times get a little bit tougher. Maybe this promise of God isn't playing out the way that you thought. You know, maybe this doesn't look exactly the way that I thought it was going to look. Has anybody ever been there that you just kind of get confused in the midst of a promise and go, okay, God, is this really the promise or not? You know, I, I kind of had a different, this is going to, supposed to kind of play out a little bit differently in my mind. But the one thing that I've learned is that when I have these moments, and I do say moments as plural because they, they happen frequently to me, because my, thankfully, my idea of what should happen and God's idea of what should happen are oftentimes drastically different, and it's funny how it always works. He's always right. He's always right. But when I look and I see the faithfulness of God, then I can kind of start understanding what David says when I look at how he's not only fulfilled promises in my life, but he's provided for me in those times of promise. And he's preserved me even when I may be questioning whether we're really in the midst of promise or not. I begin to understand David's next few statements here. The lines of my life have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. You see how this is kind of building on itself? Because David kind of started out almost a little panicked, almost a little distressed. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. And then it's kind of built, and David's reminding himself, and he's making these declarations, and he comes to the point, goes, you know what? My life's pretty good. The lines of my life have fallen in some pretty pleasant places. Yes, indeed, I have a good inheritance. You know, and there's not one of us in here this morning, there's not one of you watching at home or listening to this that don't have struggles, that don't have difficult situations, and trials, and things that we ask questions about and wonder if this is really what's supposed to be happening. But I think that I could speak for most all of us that at the end of the day that we can look back and when we arrive at this place with God, we can go, you know what? My life has fallen. In a, the lines of my life have fallen in pretty good places. I'm, I'm far more blessed than what I deserve. And you know what? I have a really good inheritance because the Lord is my Lord. He is my creator. He is the I am. He is the one who is and is to come. But more than, more than just my blesser, more than just being the one who blesses me, my God is my king. He rules over my life. My allegiance is to him. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And my life, it's fallen on some pretty good lines. And I have a really good inheritance. I'm going to ask the praise team if they would to, to come back. Verse 9 through 11. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
I love that. Again, showing this dependence on God. Showing this that you show me the path of life. Folks, the truth is this morning is that you and I, we're not going to find the path of life on our own. We can try. We can make attempts. We can look for it. But if we're looking anywhere other than Jesus Christ, that path will lead to destruction.